Hi, I'm Megan Hillica, a grieving mother turned grief coach. I now support, guide, and offer tools to navigate the unthinkable of child loss to other moms who also know this pain. I help you go from empty, lost, and broken to learning to carry your grief and live alongside it. If there's one thing I want you to see, it's hope. Hope that there's life after loss. Hope that there's so much more for you and encouragement that you're normal. All of this is possible along with never forgetting or moving on from your baby or child. I'm holding on to hope for you until you are ready to hold it yourself. Welcome to Grieving Moms Podcast. Well, I'm back. I'm officially back um, after my maternity leave and having my baby. I am recording again, so I hope that you didn't even notice hardly that I was gone because there was episodes, but I just wanted to say I'm back. I'm excited to be here again. I'm excited to um, you know, navigate this again with a newborn and trying to figure out how to uh, navigate the newborn scene and all the stuff that comes with that. I will be doing an episode on having a newborn and life after loss again um, coming up next, but I'm excited to be here to be talking with you. And before I dive into today's episode, I want to share a little few life updates um, in relation to my work and what I'm up to. Obviously, I had a baby a couple months ago and just been trying to figure out life and navigating all of that. I always feel a little bit discombobulated after a baby, so I felt like my brain and my <laughs> my ability to think and focus hasn't been there in the fullest, so I'm, I'm happy to be stepping back into that. Um, we were living in a house in Utah for two and a half months and we are now back in our bus traveling again. I kind of feel like we had a little bit of a break of life and now we're back to our life. Um, we're traveling, we're currently in Utah and we'll be here for a little bit, but life is going to get a little bit crazy soon. Um, I finally got all the details figured out, <laughs> which can be super challenging when I don't even know where I'm going to be at any given point in time and I have a newborn, but I figured out the details to fly to Washington, D.C. for the Bereaved Parents Conference in a few weekends. Um, I'm very excited for it and I'm teaching a workshop there. So if you happen to be going there, come say hi and come join me live in person for my workshop. I cannot wait to do this, to be in community with others and just really talk to others um, on this journey. So that will be happening in a few weekends. Um, I also created a free quiz for you to take if you're wondering if you're doing this whole grief thing right. I know people will get mad at me um, about this because they'll say, there's no wrong way to grieve and don't tell other people how to grieve. And that's not what I'm doing. Um, I know from my own experience that I wanted to know that I was grieving in a healthy way. I wanted to know that I was doing everything I could. And if I wasn't, I wanted to get the help and assistance that would help me grieve in a healthy way. So if you're wondering if you're grieving in a healthy way after your child died, go to meganhillica.com and you can take that free quiz. As a reminder, this is kind of an interesting way to get a baseline, but it's not a therapeutic or medical assessment. So let's get into today's episode. 
just because your child dies. It doesn't give you a free pass from other things happening. It kind of seems like it should, doesn't it? It kind of feels like the worst thing has happened. So nothing else could happen. Nothing else should happen. But for some reason, crap can still happen. Hard things can still happen. I had this thought after Aria died that, well, nothing more can happen because I've been through the worst. But the truth is that bad things can continue to happen. Not only do they continue to happen, but they can keep happening over and over and over again. And you can really start to feel weighed down and like you just want to give up. So I've recently had some experiences that have not been fun. In the last week, I got in a fairly minor car accident, but it totaled our brand new car. And obviously, um, I had whiplash and some of my kids, um, everyone was fine. But our car, brand new car was totaled, which is such a bummer because we need a nine passenger Suburban so we can tow it behind our bus and still fit in there as a family. And it's a very specific car and it's not very common. And so when that happened, um, it changed our plans. It changed where we're going to be. Um, all of a sudden we have appointments with chiropractors and massages and trying to make sure that there's no physical lasting pains from this. So it's just a really big bummer, a really big hassle, not super fun. Of course, I'm grateful everyone's fine and that we're all safe, but the, just all the logistics of this has caused a really big headache and kind of um, wrecked the whole week for what the next week was because this happened four days before we're supposed to move from our Airbnb that we were renting um, when we rented to have our baby and recover. And it added a lot of headache and hassle to this time. So it was already a really busy time um, trying to move out and get things organized. But all of a sudden we're going to Cairo every day and going to get massages and dealing with the car and going to the tow, you know, all these things, dealing with car seats and all the things that come with that. So we finally got moved into the bus and on the road and we went to Bryce Canyon National Park and met my brother and his family there. So me and my sister-in-law and a few of our kids go mountain biking. The trail is eight miles and a lot of it is black diamond, which we walked during some of them. And it's a loop trail. So you're, you know, there's no coming back. You do the loop. And at mile four, of course, mile four in the halfway of the eight miles, my tire pops on my bike. Now what? <laughs> I have had this happen before and I only had to walk my bike like a quarter of a, of a mile on an easy trail in gorgeous weather and that was hard enough. Now to have to walk my bike four miles on a black diamond trail in the middle of the day with the blazing southern Utah sun, that was very challenging, um, especially because we didn't come prepared with enough water. And my sister-in-law was very nice and took turns pushing my bike with me but we had to push it standing up on its back wheel. And just another part of the story, while we were pushing it on its back wheel, the wheel fell off twice, the back wheel. So the front tire was popped, it didn't work. And the back tire fell off twice. I was just watching my bike come to pieces on the trail. It was just crazy. Like, I, I was just like kind of 
flabbergasted. Like what in the world? Everything's just falling apart. But some amazing guy fixed my back wheel the first time. Um, and if you've ever put a back tire on, I don't think we would have been able to figure it out. Uh, with all the chains and the gears and the like, I would have been so confused. I don't even know what we would have done if this guy hadn't put my tire on for me. But when it fell off the second time, I had watched him put it back on. So I learned how to put my tire back on the back wheel. And like I said, we came with not enough water because we weren't anticipating being stuck on the trail for this long and in this way. And I also had a nursing baby back at the bus that I needed to get back for. Anyways, how did we get out of this mess? Um, We took turns pushing my bike up and down the crazy hills. And Justin, my amazing husband, borrowed a tire from my nephew's bike. And he biked up, uphill, I should say, the two and a half miles to us to try trade it out on my bike. The only problem was... When he tried to put it on, it didn't fit. (laughs) The wheel was the same, but the brake size was different. So he ended up disconnecting the front brake. And when I tried to ride it without the front brakes, there was no way I could bike like that. When your front brake is disconnected, your back tire skids. And as I'm going downhill, like the whole way, basically, I would press the brake and my back tire would just go flying out from under me. I do not know how to ride with with just with no front brakes. I was scared I would go skid right off the mountainside because the whole way was downhill and we were riding right along cliff sides. So <laughs> Justin rode my bike down without front brakes, carrying my big bike tire on a bike that was way too small for him. <laughs> He was quite the sight, just to give you a frame of reference. He's 6'2", and I'm 5'2". So my bike is way too small for him. And so he looked quite funny. So anyways, why am I sharing these stories um, in this past week that has been pretty awful in so many ways? Because my brain keeps trying to tell me that this is just the beginning of all the bad things happening in our life. That things are just going to continue to go wrong. I like... I would find evidence for bad things happening. Like, for example, another another thing that happened in that time was like my glass straw that I absolutely love. It's like my thing <laughs> that I drink my coffee out of. I love my glass straw. It broke. And I was just like, another thing. Like, it didn't matter how big or small it was. I would like stack it up. Like, another thing bad is happening. Um... And it's a feeling that I know well after Aria died, the dread and the waiting for everything to fall apart, for everything to continue to fall apart, the question of what next and who next. And it's a time of my life that I don't miss, quite honestly. And this has been bringing back to my memory. And I now have more tools to navigate this when this happens. It's been a pretty stressful week where I felt some pretty crappy emotions. I've been tired, stressed, overwhelmed. And at the end of it, I'm still super grateful for my life and I'm working at staying present. And as we all know, our children dying is the worst thing that can happen, but there can continue to be hard things that happen. And learning how to navigate these hard things is critical to being able to thrive and survive. 
just a story that comes to my mind really quick is a mom that I worked with who had um, had cancer. Now I'm trying to remember. I, I'm going to mess it up. And if you're listening, you're going to be like, what? So she had cancer. She got cancer right after her son died. And the first time she got cancer, it was very, very difficult for her. And she kind of felt like the same, you know, feeling of like, everything's going wrong. My life is falling apart. And then after we started working together, and she learned some of the tools that I taught her and kind of the tools that I have learned in my life now to keep me more grounded and calm in these situations. um, She was like, I am having a total different experience because the cancer came back. And she said she was so much more present, so much more grounded. She didn't freak out. It was, she was like, I can't believe I can experience having a recurrence in cancer like this. So I'm just sharing because I, I know that um, it can be, it can be very, very hard and we can also learn tools and resilience and learn how to navigate these these hard things. Like I said, that your child dying is the hardest thing. And it can create a resilience in you that makes you more able to handle hardship or to quote unquote bounce back from hardship quicker. Or even reprogram your brain so it's easier to get up after hardship. And the flip side of that is child loss can also destroy everything about you, inside of you, shatter you, and make it incredibly difficult to navigate any sort of challenge and hardship. So anything that would even be considered like a smaller thing feels very challenging, very hard, and very difficult. And resilience doesn't just happen. There's no easy way about this. And I don't know about you, but I would rather use my experience to make me stronger and more able to navigate the challenging things that no doubt will come in my life, the, you know, the things that will continue to come in my life instead of the experience destroying me and I'm not able to handle any little thing that comes in my life. So I wanted to share with you what I do in this time where my mind tries to kind of wonder, what's next? How do I deal with this? And, and how I feel okay in the end. So I do think all the work that I've done in processing emotions and just even recreating different brain patterns in my mind has helped me be able to move through this a lot quicker. I think my husband has even noticed this and he's commented on it, like how, like the bike tire example, um, like in my past could have ruined my whole day. My, my husband commented, um, that, wow, that was amazing that, you know, you can have such a good attitude still. Like when this time it was pretty junky in the moment, but I do feel like I still had a pretty good attitude and I did pretty good emotionally when I think of how I've been in the past. There are some moments I can think of in my past before Aria died, that when I ran into something challenging, do you know what I did? (laughs) Did I figure it out? Did I keep going? Nope, absolutely not. I simply gave up. I just sat there and cried. I cried and cried and I gave up. And I was completely useless to those around me in the situation. Not only was I useless to them, not only was I useless in not helping the problem, not, you know, problem solving, not trying to figure out what was going on or how to help, 
But now I was crying and they were trying to console me. They were also being the strong one and trying to figure out the problem. So yes, I feel like I've come a long way since then. And so the the things that have helped me, I guess, is really just finding the good things in it. It was really junky. But I know that life is 50-50. I know that bad things are going to happen. So can I just be in the junkiness of it and be okay with it? And then also, like, what what did I learn from that? I learned how to put a tire, a back tire on. I learned that I really need to put um, a, a replacement tire set in my, like, have it carry with me, carry a pump. I want these things to be on me all the time. So I'm, I, you know, next time that happens, I don't have this kind of problem. Um, everyone ended up being okay. And we got to water before it was a huge problem. So I'm really grateful for that. And my husband got to show me his physical capabilities. And I got to tell him how amazing he is. When I focused on the good things, it really helped me move past it quicker. This is not a toxic positivity where you only focus on the positive and put a cover on the hard things. I'm saying it was so hard and challenging and I was so in it. (laughs) And in the end, I let myself feel that and then look for the good and like the lessons and what I learned from it. Another thing that's been really helpful is having a gratitude practice where I just sit and breathe and notice the things I'm thankful for. This helps me stay in the present moment. And through this, I can bring my mind to being right here, right now, instead of going to the future and wondering what else can happen. Being in the here and now is so helpful for me. Instead of going to the future, wondering what if, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this is just the start of the train wreck and more bad things happening? Um, Because you better believe that my mind wants to go there. It's trying to. (laughs) It's almost like I rein my mind in and just, nope, I don't need to think about it, worry about that. And breathing and being right here in this moment has helped me a lot. Another thing to help me be right here right now is taking time to notice little things. Like when you slow down enough to notice the leaves on the tree or the sun shining or the way the flowers blow in the breeze, the sound of the wind through the trees and the woods. These always bring me back to being present for here and now. As a part of the rapid resolution that I've shared, I've learned that our brains will continue to see threat and believe there is a threat and thus prepare us for a threat if we keep having those thoughts and creating this threat in our mind. So another part has just simply been telling my mind that there is no threat. There's no reason to be worried. There's no threat what has, um, you know, there's nothing for me to prepare for. I'm just, because guess what? All this worrying is not going to help me when it happens. I have managed to get through everything that has come my way thus far in my life. I'm still living. I'm still breathing. I'm still thriving. And I don't need to, to it, like, it's not a threat. I'm going to be able to navigate and manage anything that comes my way in the future. And I also believe I'll be given the strength. So telling my mind there's no threat to just tell my brain, hey, chill, it's okay right now. And that's all I need to worry about. Right now, it's okay. Right in this moment, it's okay. 
Okay, but what about in the middle of crap happening? Like <laughs> from our accident and when I was stuck in the hot sun with my bike, I could have easily just given up. I wanted to just chuck my bike to the side and leave it there. But what you think and the resilience you've created makes a huge difference. Even though it was very hard in the moment, I just did what was needed to be done. I kept just doing the next thing that needed to be done. And you may think that's silly because maybe that's what you would do and you would just do the next thing. But I assure you that I wouldn't have done that in the past. I I simply would have just given up. And it for me, it was just a huge difference. And I do think having that resilience practice and there's no time like the present to start. There's no time like the present to begin building like building blocks underneath you and using your experience to to make you stronger and create a like a more stable foundation underneath you and create more like emotional resiliency or something like that. If you're waiting for the next shoe to drop, practice grounding activities, having a gratitude practice, um, calming your nervous system, and work on creating different patterns in your brain that make it easier for you to pick yourself up after bad things happen. If you're having trouble with that and you want assistance with it, you want to be able to pick yourself up quicker after things happen to be able to get off the ground quicker. Come to a grieving mom's haven and have a guide to assist you in this. Even though this feeling of doom and waiting for the next bad thing to happen is common, it's very common experience. It's kind of where our brains want to go. It's not something you need to live with forever or continue to live with. All my love to you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. If you like this podcast, can you share it with another grieving mom who is also looking for guidance and assistance on her grief journey? That would truly mean the world to me. This podcast is completely free and I pour so much into it. And if you could just share it, I would be so, so grateful. Take care, my friends. I'll see you next week. If you like this podcast and have found it helpful, I want to invite you to come check out Grieving Moms Haven. This is my monthly community for grieving moms where you can learn positive coping mechanisms, find a safe space with others who understand, and learn lifelong skills that support you as you learn how to carry this weight of grief in your life. There are group coaching calls where we do guided meditations, tapping meditations, breath work, and just talk knowing that everyone in the group is also walking the path of child loss. You can come check out Gravy Moms Haven at www.gravymomshaven.com.